Welcome to Barry and Lambert's Solicitors podcast series, Planning for Your Future. In this series, we explain in detail how life planning can help you navigate your way through the ups and downs, and how getting your affairs in place now can assist your loved one's future responsibilities. Barry and Lambert Solicitors, we're right by you, through the good times, challenging times, and sad times. Hi, I'm Paul Harvey, and a very warm welcome to this podcast, which is in a series of podcasts from Berry and Lamberts. And today I'm with Jeruva Patel, who is a solicitor with Berry and Lamberts. A very warm welcome, Jeruva. Good to have you with us. Hi, Paul. Thank you. Jeruva, before we go into the, uh, into the topic today, which is powers of attorney, could you describe your role with Berry and Lamberts? Yes, of course. So I am the head of the private client department here at Berry and Lamberts. I'm also a partner. Um, I've been here for a good few years and have a large team that I manage and I'm very proud of. Well, you're a very busy person, clearly, but it's, uh, it's good to have you with us, Druva. So, Druva, what I'm going to do straight away, actually, is I'm going to present a scenario to you. And hopefully within that scenario, we can draw out everything we need to know about powers of attorney. And let's, let's assume people don't know very much, shall we, at this stage. Okay with you? Yes, that, that sounds good. So a couple with adult children who have left home are seeking guidance and advice regarding their care and financial affairs after they retire or if they prematurely become incapable, either physically or mentally, of managing their affairs. Let's describe what powers of attorney are and what do they do. How are we going to involve powers of attorney in this scenario? Yeah, sure. Well, this is a scenario that arises very often. And the answer usually is um, exploring the option to create lasting powers of attorney. Lasting powers of attorney are documents that allow you to plan for your future. And they allow you to pick the people that you trust the most to manage your affairs in the event that you become incapable of doing so yourself. So there are two types of powers of attorney. One, property and finances, pretty self-explanatory in that they allow your your chosen attorneys to manage your affairs, your financial affairs for you when you need it or when you want them to. And the other one is a lasting power of attorney for health and welfare. That deals with decisions such as where you might live, what sort of care you might receive, life-sustaining treatment, and any intricate details regarding your personal welfare. These two documents allow you to feel reassured that the people that you trust the most are going to be able to either make decisions or act on your behalf or act with your guidance in later life or, you know, if a terrible event happens and you prematurely lose the ability to do things as you would hope to going forward. This could obviously involve either physically or mentally being incapable to manage affairs. So on the physical side, there is still a lasting power of attorney to cater for this. The lasting powers of attorney allow, well, effectively, they can be used despite your situation. Either it's a physical incapacity or a mental incapacity. 
Sadly, the unexpected accidents happen. Um, and if you were unable to, say, for example, reach a bank to withdraw funds or even, you know, to arrange someone else to be able to do that for you, the power of attorney would allow your chosen attorneys to kind of take that role whilst you got better, whilst you were actually in recovery. Whereas obviously with mental incapacity, it is more of a long-term health issue. That's not to say that you cannot recover from a period of mental incapacity. But the point is, is that the lasting power of attorney caters for both mental incapacity or and physical incapacity. There's a fundamental difference between the two powers of attorney. The property and financial affairs powers of attorney can be used by your attorneys, either when you lose capacity, either physical or mental, or when you want the power of attorney to be used. So it could be that you are perfectly capable of managing your financial affairs, but it's just a case of, well, I don't really want to do this anymore, or I may not be able to physically get somewhere. And at that point, your attorneys can use those documents to access to um, manage your affairs for you. However, in respect of your health and welfare, the idea is, is that you preserve your ability to make decisions about your personal welfare for as long as possible. And it's not something that you can defer. So the power of attorney for health and welfare can only be used when it is deemed that you can no longer make a decision regarding the particular issue in respect of your health and welfare. So they work in different ways in, in respect of when they can be used, but both powers of attorney are very similar in that they deal with physical and mental incapacity. And can you appoint the same attorneys for both the physical incapacity or mental incapacity side? Can you have the same attorneys on both? It would have to be the same on both because the powers of attorney themselves do not allow you to differentiate between physical and mental capacity. What they can do is in the section that provides, and, and there is a very important section in the powers of attorney to allow you to provide instructions, guidance or preferences, in that section you can ensure that your powers of attorney become active at a certain point. So you can identify at what point it can be used. So you could differentiate between mental and physical capacity at that stage, but you could not differentiate your attorneys on that basis. It's not something that's possible. So getting back to this scenario where a couple have come into your office seeking guidance and advice, they're clearly reaching an age of retirement, so they have concerns on their mind. What do you advise them to do? Do you advise them to start to think about who they should appoint as attorneys, first of all? Yes, I think that's very important. It's probably the most important question because these documents are, are very powerful. And so, you know, basic guidance is that you must trust your attorneys implicitly in most circumstances, that is possible, and certainly in this scenario where a couple have adult children. However, there are a lot of clients out there that don't have children or close family to manage their affairs for them, and so have to either rely on close friends, neighbours sometimes, or indeed professional attorneys, such as 
for example, the partners of, of this firm or any other firm of solicitors. And so it is very important that clients think very carefully about the people that they would like to appoint as their attorneys. As I said, your attorneys should be the people that you trust the most because they will have usually unrestricted power in managing your affairs, both property and finances, and potentially health and welfare as well. So it is often the case that people come to see me and they have a clear idea as to who they would like to appoint. I guess the common reviews of instructions are where they've not thought of appointing their spouses. There is an incorrect assumption that a spouse has automatic power over your affairs if you become incapable of managing them. Well, this is incorrect and you would specifically need to appoint your spouse um, if that would be your wish. It is It is a case where clients do come in and they have an idea, but it's not always covering all of the options. And that's what we're here for in, in advising what they may not have thought about before. So a spouse or somebody related to one of these couples could have powers of attorney, but they need to be appointed as such. It's not something that would naturally evolve. That's right. Yes. As I say, a lot of people assume that their spouse, just simply because they're married, have automatic power over their affairs if they become incapable. And it's just simply mm. not the case. You must be very explicit in appointing your attorneys. Um, and um, it is very important to think carefully as to whether they would be able to fulfill their duties to you in any event. The basic duty of an attorney is to always act in your best interest, regardless of the consequences to their personal circumstances. So the more we talk about this, the more clear it becomes as to the importance of choosing your attorneys and them also accepting that role. I mean, mm. there are circumstances where, you know, it, it may be that you will particularly want to appoint a specific person, but if they feel that person feels unable to act in your best interests at all time for whatever reason it may be their circumstances might change etc then it really is unwise to appoint that person you need your attorneys to be on board you need your attorneys to understand that their obligations are unwavering they must always act in your best interest and if they cannot do so they should not continue to act and is it also fair to say that you can change the attorneys that you appoint initially? You have the power to do that, I guess. You can change them, but it would involve creating a new lasting power of attorney, which requires the you need to have mental capacity to be able to make a power of attorney. So unfortunately, there are circumstances where clients wait until they've been diagnosed with a condition, a mm. disease, for example, dementia. And there are circumstances where it's too late. So the same applies with changing your power of attorney. You are absolutely able and allowed to cancel or change your power of attorney, revoke your existing one and create another one. But you must have mental capacity to be able to understand the consequences of doing so. And so sometimes it is precluded, you know, you're just not able to. And so this is why it is very important 
in the first instance, when you're making that first power of attorney, you think very carefully about what you're doing, who you're appointing. And that kind of leads me on to um, the option in the powers of attorney to appoint replacement attorneys. So the great thing about these powers of attorney, lasting powers of attorney, is is that you have the option to make them future-proof. So what that effectively means is you can choose your first chosen attorneys and then consider a scenario or a circumstance where they can no longer act, either they predecease or they're incapacitated themselves or simply just are not able to fulfill their duties, you can then appoint replacement attorneys and you can choose how they might be appointed. They can be appointed jointly and severally or jointly, which effectively means that they can make decisions jointly and independently, or they would always have to be make decisions jointly together. So there is a lot of detail to consider in these powers of attorney, but effectively, yes, in answer to your question, yes, you can change your powers of attorney. But in the first instance of making that first one, you should carefully consider potential changes that may come into effect later on and tailor the power of attorney to those circumstances. And when we look at, let's just revisit the scenario that that, um, I put to you at the beginning, a couple with adult children who have left home. Now, can these adult children contest the election of the attorneys who their parents have made? That's a very good question. And it depends on the circumstances. But in making powers of attorney, what you should know is is that there are several built in safeguarding mechanisms. So effectively, you are able to notify people outside of the power of attorney of your intention to create the power of attorney. That allows those people that you nominate to notify them to raise any concerns that they might have. So in this scenario, if the couple decided, yes, we want to make powers of attorney, we see that as you know, a great way of planning for our future. But Perhaps there is some sort of conflict within the family and they don't want to appoint their adult children, which, let's be honest, that would be the natural choice here. We would certainly advise that they notify those children in order to avoid any issues in the future of, you know, another chosen attorney acting. It is an option to notify. And most of the time clients tend to say, well, I really don't want to do that. But our advice would be it is sensible at this stage at the stage of making your power of attorney to make those children aware that this is what you've chosen to do and so any issues are essentially flushed out at this stage as opposed to being a problem when you if you lose capacity and there being conflicts that you cannot really contribute in resolving and are there any risks or disadvantages to making powers of attorney the answer to that, there are always potential risks in appointing people to manage your affairs for you, because effectively, they will be doing their best to do what they think is best for you. Okay. Now, obviously, that is subjective. And there is no clear cut formula as to what is best for you in any given scenario, they, they have the power to make the decisions in front of them. And so there is a risk that they make a decision that you may not be happy with in the event that you lose capacity. 
And there was also a risk that they, you know, use the power of attorney to abuse your financial affairs or their duty to you in respect of ensuring that um, your health and welfare is cared for. And this brings me back to my point of, you know, making good informed decisions at the outset in who you appoint. Other than that, um, a lot of clients worry that in making a power of attorney, they are effectively giving up their right to make decisions for themselves to manage their own affairs. And this is simply not the case. The idea of a power of attorney is not to strip you of your rights and freedoms, but instead to empower you and to reassure you that in the event that you you know, lose mental or physical capacity to manage your own affairs, you have those people that you trust the most to look after you. And so, I often tell my clients to think of it as an insurance policy that, you know, once you get it sorted, registered with the Office of Public Guardian out of the way, you can almost forget about it. And hopefully the idea is, is that you don't have to use them and you will be able to manage your affairs and look after yourself you know, for the indefinite future until the time comes that you pass away. But in the event that you get to a point where you either can't manage those affairs or you choose not to, this document is there that can be used straight away. You know, your chosen attorneys can hit the ground running and take over as smoothly as possible. So yes, there are um, risks as with anything, but I think the benefits far outweigh the risks. And this is why it is important to seek advice when making powers of attorney, because we are here to look at the worst case scenario. I always say to my clients, sometimes I feel awful (laughs) because I am pointing out the worst case scenarios. And these are things that you just don't think of yourself. But this is what we're here for. We are looking at the things that you really don't want to be looking at and trying to plan for them on your behalf and putting scenarios in front of you. Devil's advocate is what we do. (laughs) Unfortunately, (laughs) it isn't always nice to look at the worst case scenario, but it is our job to do that for you and to ensure that when the time comes, if the time comes that you need to use them, they are fit for purpose. Druva, I know you could talk for hours on powers of attorney. There's a lot of information that you've shared with us today. Now, if people want more information from you, how can they make contact with you? Absolutely. As you say, I could talk for hours on um, lasting powers of attorney. But yes, um, so much more information to give and to enable you to make informed decisions regarding lasting powers of attorney. Get in touch by email. It's dpatel at berryandlamberts.co.uk. So that's D-P-A-T-E-L at berry and spelling and A-N-D Lamberts with an S on the end, .co.uk. Alternatively, you can visit the website and contact us by telephone. All of our details are there or um, by an inquiry online. Thank you, Druva. I was joined by Druva Patel, who is partner and head of private client department at Berry and Lambert Solicitor for this podcast. Thank you for listening to Berry and Lambert Solicitor's podcast series, Planning for Your Future. Find out more about us, our services, and what our clients say at berryandlamberts.co.uk. Berry and Lambert Solicitors is regulated by the Solicitors Regulation Authority and a proud member of Lawnet, 
the UK and Ireland's leading network of independent law firms promoting excellence and best practice. Please note that the information provided in this podcast series does not constitute legal advice and serves as a general guide only. The law may have changed since this podcast was recorded. Listeners should seek tailored legal advice from a solicitor who will take your individual and personal circumstances into consideration. Thank you.